Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Reading the Bible can be difficult. Not to mention understanding it. Having a disability such as blindness or another can be difficult too. Sometimes it feels like God's not even there. But in room 4216... God shows us His path and we find we are not alone. Welcome, everyone, to Room 4216. I'm Pastor Dave. Hi, everyone. And that's Cecilia. She's not feeling real well today. Mm-mm. Did you eat, drink, drink some sour milk? No, I did not drink did sour milk. Did you swallow a furball? I did not well, swallow Well, your stomach furball. is really woozy, and I know you've got a bunch of cats. I figured you maybe did something like that. Did you eat the cat food? I did not eat the cat Don't say the word cat food right now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You asked me for some um, ginger ale or 7-Up, and I didn't have any. I'm so sorry. That's all right. Yeah. And then, uh, th- this is more of a question to everyone out there for you. Um, I said, all I got is some lemonade. And, and you, Cecilia, said, well, that'd be okay. And I thought, no, that's not good for an upset stomach. Be curious to hear what some of you all use for your upset stomachs to help settle it down. Well, yeah, and then, and then I said tea, and you said no tea. Yeah, because, again, because of the acid, just like in lemonade. Yeah, but I've heard that uh, tannic acid is good for the stomach, actually. Mm. Well, if you want to tan, you're supposed to go outside in the sun. I don't. It, it's not sunny outside right now. No, it's raining here. Maybe that's why your stomach... Did you, Were you outside holding your mouth open, drinking a bunch of the rainwater? It was not. All right, well, I'll stop being a doctor, and I'll try to be a pastor then. And, oh, uh, thank you. You're welcome. I guess we should turn to the Word of God. Uh, That would be a good idea. To whether it'll help your stomach, maybe not, but it certainly will help your soul. Last time we were in the book of Philippians looking at verses, we were looking at verses 1 through 3, Paul was talking about the Judaizers. Those were the Christians who had come from Judaism, who were bringing all the traditions of Judaism with all the rules and regulations that they were using in order to gain favor with God. You might say it was almost a status symbol that they had. We do all of this. Now Paul picks up in verse 4. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. He was talking about confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul is saying a lot here. Let's go 
back, Cecilia, and just read, and I'll kind of give a little bit of a definition of what he's really, what's behind all these words. All right. I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in his flesh, I have more. That's almost a double thing. First he's saying, I've got it. You think you got it? I really got it. I'm Superman of confidence in the flesh. Circumcised on the eighth day. This is significant for a Jew of the Old Testament. That means they were in the, in the covenant protection, as we talked about the circumcision before. Eighth day, that's when it was required. Not nine, not ten, but boom, right when it should be. Of the people of Israel... That's not just circumcised uh, as, as a, a convert, but I was born as an Israelite, the promised people. That goes all the way back to Abraham. Of the tribe of Benjamin. This is one of the tribes, and oh my gosh, the tribe of Benjamin was practically wiped out. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I won't go into a lengthy thing. Let's just say some of the other tribes got pretty, pretty, pretty mad at the Benjamites, and they slaughtered a bunch of them. So this is a telltale remnant of, of, of a people that was almost extinct. In fact, they did this hideous crime, and then they went, oops, we can't get rid of the tribe. Let's get them uh, some men or some wives. I, I forgot how it all goes. But So the point being, I'm not just of any tribe. I'm the very special tribe that was almost wiped out. There's very few of me. Mm. A Hebrew of Hebrews. This is of culture, of language, of lifestyle. Um, it's more than just an Israelite. This is the, 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 the upper crust. In regards to the law, a Pharisee. The law was the first five books of Moses. What they called the Torah. But it also is the Ten Commandments. It is the laws of God. It basically is uh, the way to live and move. Being law, this is something they had to do study in great length. Similar to our lawyers, so they can dispute, understand, and define things so that life might be civil. So this is a very specific type of code that he studied for. A lot of people couldn't make it, and yet he did. As for zeal, persecuting the church. Well, pretty much everybody knows he was the one standing there holding, it, holding everyone's cloaks, as it says in, in uh, Acts chapter 7 when they were stoning Stephen, and he was breathing out murderous threats when he was on his way up to go to Damascus to haul some more Christians back to kill them. When Jesus appeared to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Again, this legalistic righteousness, that means as you live your life, that means you didn't swear once, you didn't, you didn't mutter, you weren't jealous, N nothing on the outside. If you look at this person's life on an earthly level, this is the, the person who's following everything, Mr. Superhuman. But 
whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He considers it lost. I don't want it anymore. I don't want to hold it, possess it, need it, value it. It's gone. All the things that I uh, claim as pride, being of the people of Israel, being of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee and all that, that's nothing to me now. Correct. In fact, he goes on to say, when he looks at all that thing, he considers it, I think it used the word, rubbage? Yeah, that's later in our... In Is our it later? Oh, I'm jumping ahead. Well, it, it ties in now. i got to do it. Rubbish, garbage, trash, dung. And if I wanted to let out my German roots, I would use a different word than, than cow manure. And that's really what he's saying. And he actually uses kind of a derogatory word there, um, which is a slam against both his legalistic righteousness, because he ruined it by saying that. He considers it rubbish. But that's how he considers it, a pile of crap. have no confidence in my flesh right now, nor in my wit. So, can you just cut to the chase and tell me what all this means? I can, but are you sure you're going to be okay here with your tummy and all that? God will get me through. You're a trooper. All right, let me give it a try. In modern day language, I I had to give some thought to this. So, um, I'm going to first do um, a, a German Lutheran. Do I have confidence as a German Lutheran? Well, Paul said, circumcised on the eighth day, I was baptized on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the people of Germany. And uh, Paul would say of the tribe of Benjamin, well, I'll say of the tribe of Saxony. Hebrew, Hebrew, well, that's because I'm a German of German. German straight through. Regardless, uh, regarding the, the, the... the law of Pharisees and all? Well, I'm a graduate of Concordia College and Concordia Seminary. Oh, that's impressive. As for zeal, I married a Lutheran and am a member of all the confessional Lutheran groups. I, um... <laughs> so, now, now, that's not true of me, but it could be true if you were trying to do this faultless thing again. I got another one. Let me okay. see. Just give me a second here. So people think that I'm not just talking about Lutherans. I I, uh, did a little bit. This is kind of tongue-in-cheek. I hope you all realize. Please laugh with me. Um, So for a perfect Baptist, what kind of Baptist are you? Dedicated to God as a baby. Asked Christ into my heart at age eight. Baptized at the age of nine. Attended Sunday school, church, and prayer meeting weekly. Throughout my life, did a voluntary two-year missionary trip to Guatemala. Ooh. 
elder at my at the First Baptist Church. <laughs> All right, here's here's the the boasting of a Pentecostal. Oh, okay. Laying hands on as an infant with prophecy given, gave my heart to Jesus at age six, baptized at age twelve, answered altar call at summer camp, spoke in tongues at age fifteen. Have not smoked, swear, danced, or played cards. Married a perfect spouse at age 19. I'm a deacon at the local church. <laughs> You've got it together. Well, I took some time to do this. All right, now, here's an interesting one. Uh, the Who am I among people who are blind, if I want to boast? Oh, oh, oh. Born to blind parents. Yes. Went to school for the blind from age uh, kindergarten through age 12. Yeah, 12th grade. 12th grade, okay. Learned to read Braille with both hands. Learned, learned mobility and became a world traveler. Went to local college and graduated summa cum laude, higher than any other sighted person. Joined organizations of of the blind and rose up to the national uh, uh, service of office. These would be some of the comparisons we'd have today <laughs> yes, to they Paul's would. idea of boasting in the flesh. going to move on to verses 8 and 9, and I'm, I'm trying to help Cecilia by having her do as little talking as she can. She's really doing great, but I can tell she's not doing great. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, I'm doing great, but I'm not doing great. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, our audience has seen me at my worst. <laughs> yes, they have. Falling asleep and drinking coffee and losing my voice, and it's about time the bug hit you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Share and share alike. I'm sorry. Verses 8 and 9, I really see as the most pinnacle two verses theologically in reference. The two most important theological verses of this whole book as it relates to... Can I try that again? These two verses... Are you sure you can talk? (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm trying to do too much. These two verses that we're going to read are the pivotal verses of this entire book. Theologically, they carry the greatest weight of everything Paul says. Everything Paul says. We're going to read it through, and then we're going to read it again, and I'll unpack and I'll explain a little bit why. So, would you read, Cecilia? I will. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ." the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. 
Okay. And I'll be honest, I've read this and reread this a couple times to help dissect it. One reading, it, you, you just kind of go, what's he saying? So that's why we want to do it again with a little bit of a breakdown. Now, in this first part, verse 8, Paul is going to speak about the word loss three different times, and he's ramping it up. Go ahead and start, Cecilia. What is more, I consider everything a loss. Okay, everything a loss. That's all the boasting he had done about being circumcised a Hebrew of Hebrews and his being absolutely righteous. He's considering that loss. Compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Compared to, I'm going to shorten it up, compared to knowing Jesus. Let's make it simple. Count that all but loss when I compare it to knowing Jesus. Okay? For whose sake I have lost all things. Now he's, this is the number two. For whose sake, meaning Jesus' sake, I've lost it all. Because of Jesus, I'm willing to throw it away. That's a huge step. Not only is it gone from me, in comparison to Jesus, I count it but gone because of Jesus. Okay, go on. Here's the verse you were talking about earlier. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. Because we're going to move into righteousness talk in a second. So he counts it as rubbish, yes, as garbage, as dung, as, as a pile of manure. So not only did he say, I've lost it comparing to Jesus, I'm glad to lose it because I don't want it, but I even consider it as nothing. I want to be found in Jesus. Three times he counts this past of boasting as loss. Because he wants to know Jesus. Okay, now, found in the righteousness of Jesus, not of my own, does it say? Found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. Okay, righteousness of my own. Now, this jumps back to that boasting thing. Because that's the Hebrew of Hebrews, the boasting, the cream of the creme. That uh, I am absolutely righteous but what, by what I have done. He doesn't want that type of righteousness. Because that righteousness is of the law, and, you, and we cannot right. obey the law perfectly. And he goes on to even say that. That's right. Go on. Uh, a righteousness. A, a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Through faith in Christ. Those two link together through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Okay, now the righteousness that comes from God. That means it's not my righteousness. It's not my goodness. I have to be given goodness? I have to be given it? Yes, by God. I can't earn my way to heaven. This is where you hear these phrases that Christians say. We can't earn our way to heaven. It's not a righteousness of our own, not a goodness, uh, uh, a keeping of the law, so we're pretty good to the scale. Mm -mm. The righteousness that gets us to heaven is what God gives us, faith in Christ.
so today, just in recapping what Paul has done so far, before we le- read the last two verses in this section, Paul boasts and brags of how he is one of the greatest human beings alive when it comes to uh, relationship to God, if he's going to boast on earthly stuff, earthly level. But then he considers it lost, doesn't want it. And then he says, in comparison to Christ, it's rubbish. And he doesn't want it because it's worthless. And he clings to the righteousness that God gives him. And he says it comes by faith, that trust relationship in Jesus. Okay, that sets us up now for verses 10 and 11. You up to reading a couple more verses, Cecilia? I think I can manage it. Okay. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Okay. Pastor Dave, I may be sick, Uh but I'm not dead yet. (laughs) Okay. I've got questions. Okay. It says, uh, Paul says that he wants to share in the, um, he wants to know the fellowship of sharing Mm -hmm. in his, that is Christ's sufferings. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that Paul wants to suffer pain and wants to suffer a horrible execution and, and that kind of thing? Excellent question. You you went to the, there's four things here, and you went to number two right away. Oh. And that's okay, because, boy, suffering, I'm going to zero in on suffering, is a common thing to do. we got to back up, though, because it won't make sense if we don't catch number one. All right. Number one is, he wants to know Christ, Christ and the power of his resurrection. There's almost two things here, but it's all tied together as one. He wants to know Jesus. He wants to know Christ, the anointed one, the one that God sent, the one who, in whom we get our righteousness. And not only that, but he is talking about heaven and righteousness. And that can only come through Jesus. And so the resurrection is crucial. Because we're not going to worship and follow a dead man, but a live one. And if he's alive, then we believe in him. He promises us new life as well. That's crucial before we go on to the second thing. All right. Which is then the fellowship of sharing in the sufferings of Christ. If we know Christ, if we want Christ, if we want salvation, if we want that righteousness... Paul is saying, yes, you're going to suffer like Christ. Because to be part of Christ means you're not part of the world. What did the world do to Jesus? They crucified him. Yes. And so suffering will be there. Now, this isn't talking about the suffering of your tummy today. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. I wish I could give that to you. It's not the headache or allergies or even being hit by a car and a broken leg or cancer. That's not the suffering he's talking about. The suffering he is talking about is that which comes because you are a Christian. The suffering that can come 
Notice how it said can come because you are confessing, I'm trusting in Jesus. Because we're saying, hey, there's more, there isn't more than one way to heaven. That's right. There's only one way, and it's Jesus. And we're going to get flack for that. Boy, are we ever. And we're going to get flack for a whole bunch of things that Jesus does say, not just on the law aspect, but the gospel aspect. And now, I want to keep... With that in mind, because I'm sure you got another question, what's number three there? Let's see. Uh, the Fellowship of Sufferings. That's number Becoming three. like him in his death. That's the one I thought you were going to ask about. Becoming like him in his death. What? We got to die? Well, it, I know you're not feeling well, but sweetie, we all are going to die. And we better die now. And the death we die is to our sinful nature. That's what Jesus did for us. And when we do it, it's by his power. That's what we talk about when we talk about baptism. We drown our old Adam and come up as our new creation. And that new life is starting now and flows into eternity because Jesus rose from the dead. And then number four. Yeah, this is another one I had a question about. Um, and, uh, so it's becoming like him in death. Mm -hmm. And so somehow to attain to his resurrection from the dead. Mm -hmm. Now the word somehow is, Uh. is, I mean, don't we know based on what you said, it's, it's because of Christ's death and resurrection that we attain that resurrection. Is it not? Yes. But yet Paul is saying somehow. Well, the somehow is not if he's going to, but how. He really believed, as many did then, and as people do now. Jesus can come back any second. Yes. Cecilia, as you and I are recording, this might not get out on air because Jesus will return. That is true. This might get out to the air, but then you won't be able to shut off your computer or iPhone before it's done and Jesus comes back. And if that happens, the somehow is different you are whisked up to meet Jesus in the air. Then if we die and are buried and... Correct. And That's the somehow. He's just not sure how, but he is gonna. Oh. He will attain the resurrection. There's no doubt about that. Not by anything that he did, but by what Christ did. Right. Right. One last thing with this. There, in Number one, it says, I want to know Christ... That word know means an intimate relationship. And that's why the word faith is always, I always tie into that relationship thing. And not only is it to know Christ intimately, and then it says his power. There are some who believe that this power is almost like the force on uh, uh, Star Wars, that you just got to figure out how to grab your hand onto it and tap into it, that then you have it. That's not this type of power. The power is Jesus's and only his. The only reason we have the power or can claim we have the power is because he lives in us. Mm -hmm. It's not for us to wield and and, and control, but rather we are the channel or the vessel by which that power flows out to reach in compassion and kindness to others, to say, I love you and I forgive you. I died for you as well. We are the hands and the feet and the mouth and the ears of Jesus. And so, the power of the resurrection flows through us to others. 
And with my co-host looking green. I don't know if she looks green or not. I'm, I'm, how would you know if I looked green? <laughs> it's true, I'm colorblind. With my co-host not feeling well, I close it off by saying thank you so much for being part of Room 4216. We love it if you'll give any questions or, or response or consideration. You can write us at info, info oh, at gonna, not yeah. dash alone. She's a strong gal. That is A-L-O-N-E. Yes, I am. Dot net. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching out Pastor Dave Andrus, A-N-D-R-U-S, or Room 4216. The name Emmanuel, it's the name that Jesus was given uh, by the angel uh, at his birth, has a very special meaning, God with us. And in the vein of that, we say, we, we are, are not alone. alone. I will lead you who are blind by the ways you have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide you. I will turn the darkness into light before you and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake you. Do come back again to room 4216. Our sincere thanks go to Terry Nord and Robert Vaughn for their interlude music.